Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are in a weird situation here, you guys. It is Wednesday, December 2nd. It is still the morning time for all of us here, and uh, Week 12 is not over, but we're talking about Week 13 on a Wednesday, this weird Week 12, Week 13 straddle that we're doing here in the fantasy football world and the NFL football world. Uh, just one of the many things that uh, has changed here in 2020. I'm Michael Beller, joined, of course, by Jake Seeley. Jake, I mean, this rankings thing's got to be blowing your mind here this week. <laughs> it's just, I don't know about blowing my mind as more as it's like, I just want to have this game so I can do them and get them done. <laughs> like, where are the rankings? And the best part about it is like, look, guys, you don't have Thursday football. You have plenty of time to set the lineup this week. Yeah, plenty of time, right? We got all the way till Sunday. And that went, then this week's going to take us to Tuesday. Just totally bizarre. Brandon Funston also here. Brandon, I mean, this feels like 2.40 on a Wednesday. It's like, I just hope it doesn't have the energy of an Orioles-Pirates getaway day game. Yeah, exactly. And we, I, I like Tuesday games. We never said we wanted Wednesday games. That's that just no. you know that kind of really just blows <laughs> things up. So I don't it, even it, like Tuesday. It's funny you say that. It does kind of feel like a baseball start time, you know, and, oh, yeah, and totally. like an afternoon getaway game. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah you've already sent the. You've already sent uh, tomorrow's starting pitcher to the next city. <laughs> you got him there. He's just watching the game on TV. Right. It's got. It just has that feeling. So hopefully, he doesn't necessarily have. That same energy, and hey, uh, we're making the best of it, right? So uh, hopefully the game goes off, everyone stays healthy, and we can get on to Week 13. That's exactly what we're going to start doing right here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We have two more teams going on by the last two buys of the season, Buccaneers and Panthers taking a seat in Week 13. So let's start at the quarterback position, guys. And I actually want to start this discussion with someone who you are starting, no doubt about it, no matter what. But obviously things have changed a little bit for Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller being suspended and out for the remainder of the season. This is the first time we will see Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller this year. Uh, first game against the Colts for Deshaun Watson as well. So we know that's going to be a tough test. As I said, obviously you're starting him, Jake. But are your expectations for Deshaun Watson different with Will Fuller out? I think they have to be. We've seen the numbers of anybody's out there seen it. There's been splits thrown out by FTN and Rotoviz, and there's out there. Just go find them. The splits are out there, and the yards go down. The biggest problem is the touchdowns almost get cut in half. Uh, so you have to be worried for the fact that Kiki QT is now the number two. Brandon Cooks, you know, maybe it's not as bad as it was in last year's because now it's Brandon Cooks and it's not Kenny Stills and other guys and stuff like that. And you know I'm a big fan of Isaiah Coulter, and maybe he can surprise people down the stretch. Uh, but you do have to be concerned. All that being said, you know, what is Deshaun Watson? So he's been playing as a top three or four quarterback. Now he's six seven and it's not you're not benching him you're not pushing him out of the top 10 conversation it's just maybe now before where i would have said you know the league we talked about it on the waiver show is the league is starting to adjust to justin herbert and i would say i would have started just sean watson no matter the matchup the rest of the way now i can see having the conversation of like ooh, if i have both maybe i start herbert you know if i have another matchup down the stretch you know Maybe you had Aaron Rodgers and picked up Justin Herbert or got a trade for Deshaun Watson or something like that. Like I could see him falling into now of a more matchup conversation, QB one where he was just a start it and forget it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to add. Maybe we'll see a little bit more Deshaun Watson running the ball. He's been down numbers wise uh, on the ground. That's uh, so maybe that's something that has to happen. I mean, thirteen. 13 tar of his targets have gone away in the last, I don't know, 10 days or so between. Well, then not to steal a question because you said you don't have much more to add, but I'm stealing a question that, well, you don't, I'm not stealing it. I guess I'm just jumping in with a question because yeah, you don't have this it. in the sheet, Mike. Do you think that David Johnson potentially returning would help Deshaun Watson or think it's no effect, Brandon? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would help a little bit because I, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, done as he is as an NFL runner. I still think he has higher upside in that capacity than Duke Johnson. Um, in the passing game, you think you can, you could utilize either one of them effectively. They're both great receivers. I'd probably That's rather still thinking. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those, it's going to take a village to <laughs> replace Will Fuller. <laughs> Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins. You know, any chance I get to throw out Jordan Akins. So, uh, you got to think he's going to step up a little bit. I don't know what to make of Isaiah Coulter. I guess we can, I don't know if we're going to get to them in the wide receivers or not, uh, and Kiki Kuti, but um, I didn't have either one of them. It was like a top three um, waiver wire pickup of receivers, 33%. 
you know, rostered or less in Yahoo leagues. I had to go through that exercise earlier this week on a guest podcast, and I just don't see Kuti or Coulter really just dominantly stepping up as the guy in place of Will Fuller. So we'll it see. feels like you're grasping at something, right, Dan? Yeah. Uh, this is not the week to grasp with them going up against the Colts. No, no, no. See, to, to yeah, go to yeah. the Coulter thing, I am a hundred like I will adamantly say if you're in a 12 team or plus league and there's nothing on waivers go grab him a stash him. and sure, absolutely absolutely not you don't put him in the lineup right out of the gate mm-hmm. it just i feel knowing his talent and who rep- this is what it comes down to this is what i said and brandon read it because he edited it but coulter's ability is an outside receiver a matchup problem good size good speed he's replacing fuller Kiki QT is staying as the slot guy. They're not going to put Kiki QT outside as the number two. So that's why I think Coulter, because like if you're, if you told me week 17 and we're sitting here having a conversation, looking back on the season is like, who is the playoff changer that a lot of teams had? I could see it being Coulter. Obviously, he could be nothing, but well, I could let see me, his... Let me couch okay. it with... Because I said I didn't have him in my top three. The guys I put ahead of him were Tim Patrick, Brashad Perryman, and I actually put Darnell Mooney because his schedule is so ridiculously good. He's basically Coulter, but av- having actually had some experience, he has a worse quarterback, but they have the most ridiculous schedule, and you know this. Um, yeah. So I could actually see Dar- Darnell Mooney making some play because he gets targets, and this might be the time when those targets I would, cash. So where would you put Coulter in that group? I would take Coulter over Patrick at this point, uh, even with Drew Locke back. Uh, just, there's too many options, and Locke is – you're now all over the place. Like Patrick – you know I like Patrick. I've been yeah. on Patrick the entire year. It's just basically at this point, I'm thinking wide receiver 5-6 on your team, just going for the pure home run – Again, you get the guy that nobody expected to be that guy in your playoff matchup to win you the game. So I'm stashing him over Patrick. I would take Perriman because I was wrong about Crowder being the guy again. The target share actually went up for Perriman and Mims in that game after Flacco with the replacement of Darnold, which I was surprised about. I thought Darnold was going to go right back to Crowder, and he didn't. Yeah, I mean, more than Flacco, but you you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So I would take Perriman. I could see the conversation for Moody. I, I, my biggest issue with Moody is that Anthony Miller sometimes does things, sometimes doesn't. Like it just is he going to yeah. be? And, and that's and, and that's what Kuti is going to do as well. I mean, he's going to right. So he's that's kind of I can see the Moody yeah. comparison to Coulter, and I do think they are in similar situations. So I will take the better quarterback. But if you want to take Mooney, I, you know, I also like Mooney too. So yeah. I, I think that's a good comparison. Wish we could go back uh, three years in time, guys, and have uh, Ryan Pace take the better quarterback when it came to Mitch Trubisky <laughs> versus Deshaun Watson. But that is something. Oh my God! How many times did they say that on the that sh- that yeah. game? I know. Like, well, Good hey, God, it, let it go. Until, I, I, yeah, until Ryan Pace is let go from Chicago, I am not going to let it go either. So we're going <laughs> to hold on to that, and we're going to move on to another quarterback here, and that is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think we're all assuming. He's going to get another start uh, in place of Tua Tungavailoa, and I guess it's almost like in places in quotes because Fitz feels like the better quarterback right now. And the question here is, first of all, where does he rank this week, assuming he does get the start against the Bengals? And secondly, is he the better fantasy quarterback right now, not just in terms of quarterback production, not just Fitz versus Tua, but if you have Devontae Parker, do you want Fitz up there? If you have Miles Gaskin and he's making his return, would you rather have Fitz up there? It certainly feels that way, Brandon, right? Yeah, I have him ranked in my top 15. I haven't solidified my rankings yet, but I, I will have him as an upper half uh, quarterback this week. And I'm I'm always in on, on Fitzpatrick's upside. I, this is a, something that I kind of had a conversation with earlier this week is, look, at Miami has to play Tua because – they they're not going to beat the Chiefs and they're not going to beat the you know they're not going to beat the Steelers they're going to make the playoffs that's great but in a in a year when there's not fans in the st- in the stands you're not really getting a whole lot of momentum out of making the playoffs finally so you have to right now decide is Tua your guy that if you're a good team now can Tua sustain that and help you elevate your team into the playoffs and and beyond and yeah. it makes no sense for them to play Ryan Fitzpatrick and selfishly I think we all want Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's better for fans fantasy purposes but Miami I absolutely get the idea that they need to play Tua as much as possible if he's healthy right now you know we got Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow out there leading teams and you just need to figure it out and it in fantasy be damned it's really about it's really about you know how successful Miami can be in reality see and that, that's actually where I'm going to differ a little bit as I think the Dolphins have a legitimate playoff aspirations hope they're probably winning this division and could go forward and my theory, I mean, like, what winning this division? 
they still have a chance. No, yeah, Buffalo could lose. Good. Buffalo could lose to San Fran this this week. Yeah, and, and I'm Miami saying they still have a chance. Suddenly it's right there. there. Yeah, but I'm, so, I'm just saying the playoff making the playoffs isn't a big deal for Miami this year. I mean, I, I think anytime you make the playoffs, you take that chance. It, you just it, it's NFL. Things can happen all the time. So anyway, where I'm going with this is if you're going for the playoffs. We know Fitzpatrick is the better option now for trying to make the playoffs. I don't think anybody would disagree that Tua is their future, and you want to see what Tua has. This injury, we I think we talked about it on the Monday show, and I brought up the fact that Nanda was the first one to point out the injury when nobody was really talking about it, and it's seemingly, quote-unquote, gotten worse. And again, maybe I'm just connecting dots that aren't there, but I just feel like this is like, okay, he's nicked up, but we're going to use this as an excuse for as long as possible to play Fitzpatrick because we know he gives us our best chance now. Tua is our future, but our best chance. We're in a playoff hunt all of a sudden. We have, a, like I said, they have a chance to still win the division. Things that might not have been expected at the beginning of the year. So I say Fitzpatrick's best for the team now. And yeah, he is best for fantasy. So if he's the quarterback for fantasy, he's top 15 play. He's great for Devontae Parker. He makes Mike Kosicki relevant. If they do go back to Tua, which wouldn't be the wrong move. I'm not saying either move is the wrong move. But if they do go back to Tua, it does hurt the entire offense because they're also, as you can see, part of their offense struggles is they're trying to straddle the fence. And I think that's part of their problems this year is they're trying to keep some aspects of the offense that works with Fitzpatrick and move to a West Coasty type offense for Tua. And they're caught in this transition phase. And I think that's why you're also seeing the offense struggle at times. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, if they do have this uh, predictable script against the Bengals, it uh, feels like a good spot to be getting Ryan Fitzpatrick back in there for fantasy purposes. One more team in that AFC playoff chase is the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr coming off of his worst game of the season last week against the Falcons. A nice bounce back spot, certainly, against the Jets. He's down to QB 20 on the season, you guys, which actually surprised me when I went looking. I thought... He was going to be at least a couple of slots higher than that, but QB 20 on the season for Derek Carr. Still feel pretty comfortable running him out there against the uh, Jets, I would imagine, Jake. Yeah, I'd say this is a good bounce back week. This is a good week that if you want to get frisky in DFS, I don't think anybody's going to use him. (laughs) And mostly because people don't want to use him in DFS anyway, because you usually pair with Darren Waller. You're not really chasing any of the wide receivers. But this is a week where I feel like all the wide receivers are in play. Uh, I think Renfro, as Brandon knows, because again, he adds Mm -hmm. edits my article, is that if you're going for that chase to play here, the Raiders could go week in and week out of being Aguilar one week. Ruggs is finally starting to come on. Uh, Renfro has his weeks, but this is a slot opportunity. I mentioned it, just the you know, Keenan Allen, and he's not Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen is 16, 145, and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers, their better comparison, 12 for 169. Beasley, 11 for 112 against the Jets. You go after them in the slot, so this could be a Renfro game too. It's weird. It's just poor, poor Vegas. They have to go basically from the West Coast to Atlanta and then have yeah. to come back and then go back to the Jets. And it's weird. I mean, Derek Carr has played a lot of really good football. Um, I don't know if it's telling that all of his best games have been against the very toughest competition. You know, uh, the Saints, two against Kansas City, Tampa Bay. He's been great against those teams. Uh, and then you look at some of the lesser you know, the lesser competition hasn't been as good. I'd still be willing. I, I think Derek Carr is a is a solid NFL quarterback. I think the I agree with Jake. This is this seems like a bounce back opportunity against the Jets. Although maybe this is a team that just, you know, plays to its level of competition. All right, guys, let's uh, move on to our last topic here at the quarterback position. Someone who we think is going to underperform expectations this week to a point that it's worth discussing. Who you got here, Jake? Hmm. Worth discussing. I'd say even with Kenny Galladay back at Chicago, Matthew Stafford concerns me this entire year. Even with the thumb, it's just he's has to do it with his arms and he's been very up and down. Not that two, three guaranteed touchdown game every single week. Um, I think we have to have the Kyler Murray conversation. Um, yeah. I'm not completely out of the QB one range with him, but I'm very back end. I haven't ranked him. Injury Even related close. or are you concerned? Well, I'm, and, I'm not and concerned after one just thing, one game. I, I'm it's... wondering about the injury because we've seen Kyler not be as good of a runner lately, and I think that's, that has something to do with defenses. Um, you know, what I've noticed is teams are not uh, rushing their ends up the field as much. They're basically creating a little bowl and trying to hold him in that pocket, letting him throw, but because of his size, I think he's having difficulty actually sitting in the pocket and throwing, and we've seen – 
passes get batted down. We've seen passes be erratic lately. Could be a little bit injury-related, but I think you have to look at the defense having something to do with that as well. And the Rams are probably, if you had to pick a the worst matchup for mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, I would think it would be the Rams. So I, I, I got in an argument, but you know, you guys know Brad Evans, and um, he's been a colleague of mine for a lot in the past, but he is actually ranking Mitch Trubisky ahead of Kyler Murray this week. And I said, <laughs> I'm not that crazy, but I do understand the rationale behind it. Yeah. We haven't. All, we also haven't seen that matchup yet this season, Arizona and the Rams. Correct. I mean, they've got two yeah. games with each other in the next four weeks, the next five weeks, something like that. So, but uh, definitely going to be a tough one for Kyler Murray. A tough assignment for any quarterback. But as you said, Brandon, this might be the worst sort of defense you could draw up for Kyler Murray, given his skill set, given some of his limitations. How about the other side of this? A quarterback who is going to outperform expectations this week, Brandon? Who you got here? <laughs> How about Mitch Trubisky? There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll probably, and I'm saying this not knowing what he did uh, in the in the Wednesday afternoon game, but yes. I would say I might have Lamar Jackson like in my top four this week against Dallas. Hmm. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, interesting. Uh, I guess I, I'm <laughs> just I'm, I, that was not towards Brandon. That was more of just like what could have been this year. That, that was my <laughs> reminiscing more of like the lost <laughs> Lamar Jackson fun that we've had. I'll go with Ryan Tannehill because you know me with Ryan Tannehill. You know mm-hmm. I'm one of the least fantasy fans of Ryan Tannehill because they don't need him some games. And the reason I bring this up is because, and I think everybody just know, it's December. It's Derrick Henry. He just went ballistic almost in December, and he's going to go ballistic down the. Of the remaining four games, Cleveland's the best run defense. They're middle of the pack. It's not a good run defense. I'm just saying, they're a terrible pass defense. So maybe this is the game where Derrick Henry just goes for 100 and a touchdown, which is still amazing. But this is Ryan Tannehill. Maybe he goes out there and throws three touchdowns on his 240 yards. That's definitely possible, right? It's always in the cards for him. And It's I one of the highest of- Vegas totals, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I, I believe it is too. And it's a, a game where we're expecting, you know, basically Nick Chubb versus Derrick Henry. But uh, I think both those quarterbacks are going to be a little bit more interesting than people are giving them credit for as we sit here on Wednesday morning. All right, guys, let's throw things on over to the running back position. And let's start this with Latavius Murray. We know that he has uh, found a new role in the Taysom Hill-led Saints. Last week, that role translated to 19 carries for 124 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Even the week before, 12 carries for 49 yards, two catches for 36 yards. It hinted at a potentially larger role for Murray alongside Alvin Kamara so long as Taysom Hill was the starter. And the question here, Jake, is, is that role large and bettable enough to get him into RB2 territory against the Falcons this week? I don't think so. And, you know, maybe I'm going to be the odd man out here, but I feel like this is an overreaction by the fantasy community in a game where they were up early, up easy, and just, just driving it down the throat and hey we've got this game in control and this is not just driving down the throat with Latavius Murray but also (laughs) Taysom Hill we had the conversation of being concerned about Alvin Kamara and I'm not saying Latavius Murray is not part of that concern I'm just not starting Latavius Murray with confidence as the second option still yeah it looked great last week but I don't know that they get up as easy against the Falcons and the Falcons offense especially if Julio's back and I'm not scared of that Falcons defense but I don't think they're running away with this game is what I'm saying. And I think running away is where you get Latavius Murray. So if it surprises me, maybe not everybody, if it surprises me and there are 20 to three in the second quarter, yeah, it'll be Latavius Murray day all over again. I just don't see that happening this week. Yeah, and I think we have to really just say that the Atlanta Falcons defense is not scary, at least in the past defensive side. But they are a good run defense, and no one gets rich against them. And the and the, and the running backs that have Everybody done real- argues with me that they are Brandon. Everybody's like, because you only you could pass on them, so they don't need to stop the run. And I'm like, have you watched? People no. still try to run. It's not like they're rushing five times in a game. They have not given up a ninety-yard <laughs> rusher. The, the running you. backs that that do well against them do well in the passing game, almost to a man. The ones right. that have had the biggest games, and Latavius Murray. I mean, Taysom Hill's not thrown to any running backs right now, but Latavius Murray is going to be second in that regard anyway. So I probably won't have – I might have him – I haven't finished my rankings. I might have him at the very, very back end of the RB2 class, but it might be just outside. I For the for what Jake said in that last week, you got, it's kind of an anomaly. You can't really count that game. The Saints weren't threatened at all. Why play Alvin Kamara a whole lot? Um, and also because Atlanta is, I think, a legit – 
good run defense, I'm going to temper my enthusiasm for Latavius Murray. All right, from uh, tempering your enthusiasm, I just wrote a little bit to you, Brandon, about curb your enthusiasm. So I like uh, <laughs> I like where we're sort of oh, mind melting oh, there. And let's on move on nice. to someone who I think we can have some enthusiasm for, Miles Gaskin, uh, going up against the Bengals. I, I, you know, no official word from the Dolphins as we sit here though on Wednesday morning. I think it's safe to assume. He's going to be back. He was very close to playing against the Jets last week. He's missed now four games. And Miami had a bye mixed in there, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, he is well past the timetable that I think a lot of us thought uh, was going to be caused by this injury. So let's just assume he's back in there for the Dolphins. Is he right back in there for you as well, Brandon? Yeah, I don't think DeAndre Washington did anything to say, hey, this, you know, I want this job, you know, last week. And in and that's just been Brian Flores. I keep bringing it up. Typically, he just commits to a guy and doesn't like to rotate a whole bunch of backs in. If Miles Gaskin is healthy, uh, he was the guy that he picked at the very beginning of the year as favorite running back. So I would assume. And Miles Gaskin, you know, has been has been as productive as anybody they've trotted out there. And I, I think he would just go back to being a fifteen to twenty touch running back in a great matchup against Cincinnati. So if he, if they say that Miles Gaskin's a go, he's He's a guy I'll have ahead of Latavius Murray, and I'll be probably be putting in my back end RB two uh, class for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Here's one interesting thing: and as much as it's been West Coasty type offense, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually throws to the running back more than Tua did. Uh, so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a plus there as well as you could get Miles Gaskin, even if it's this a high paced game. You know, maybe the Bengals you know keep score up you know, against the Miami defense. It's been really good this year, but. I think you have to assume Miles Gaskin would be the guy, would be the lead. Maybe it's a little bit like what we just saw with Mostert, where you know somebody else is sprinkled in forty percent of the time, so it's not the full seventy to eighty percent workload. But with the way that everybody else has failed to really impress, I mean, even go back to Savan Ahmed, it was a volume game. It right. wasn't even that great of a game. So I think it is Gaskin's backfield. The only question is said is, is similar to what Brandon alluded to. There is, you know, is he a hundred percent? Do they rely on him a hundred percent? I think that's your only. Concern. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that Ahmed game that we were all excited about, or at least uh, we're got him into our fantasy discussion. Uh, it was the touchdown that really did it. Twenty-one carries yeah. for eighty. Made us learn yards. his name. That's what it did. Yeah, there we go. And, and hey, what uh, I, I felt good about the Ahmed, but that L silent L wasn't exactly sure there. But now I know for sure. And hey, just in time to get Miles Gaskin back into the lineup here. Let's move things over to Buffalo, where I, I have a, a different sort of question for you guys. You know, we know that this just has not been the season any Devin Singletary or Zach Moss managers were hoping for there, but we also have a lot of people in dire running back straits right now the question jake is how dire would they have to be for you to put singletary or moss you can take either one both of them how dire would they have to be to have one of those guys in your lineup this week against the 49ers at this point of the season the past couple weeks it would only be moss and it's Mm -hmm. only moss because between the two of them it's been about a 50 50 split for some time now and if i'm taking a 50 50 split backfield i'll just go for the guy unless there's a clear heavy passing game differential which there's not and it looks like a game script that would point to that so that's not this situation I'm going to go for the guy that's going to probably have a better chance to get a touchdown and that's Zach Moss between the two of them you know Josh Allen is still number one but Moss is two and Singletary is a distant third and then Singletary also fumbled the ball in the last game which makes you know that's always like if you're already dealing with a 50-50 do they lean on Moss a little bit more it was kind of a costly fumble that's why I bring it up uh, they still won that game but it was looking like it was uh, I, I, yeah. I think that he like saw fewer touches after that as well if I'm remembering correctly so especially against San Francisco's front I'll take the bigger guy I'll take Zach Moss yeah oh, to, so like dire straits RB3 flex I don't want anything more than that yeah, it's a terrible matchup. I've I've stopped thinking about the Buffalo running backs <laughs> weeks and weeks ago. I mean, they're they're just completely touchdown dependent at this point, and we know that Josh Allen steals that thunder um, as much as he can. Yep, I think that's a fair way to go about it, but guys who are definitely in that RB3 discussion, you see where they're ending up ranked, and as we said, this is a tough week, tough part of the season, really for the remainder of the year at the running back position. Maybe we get Jonathan Taylor, though, back this week, and that could change things for some managers. Uh, All signs point to him being back. He was on the COVID-19 list last week, but it was a close contact thing, not him actually testing positive for it, so... He should be back this week. The last time we saw him, 22 carries for 90 yards, four targets, caught them all for 24 yards. That was against the Packers. Naeem Hines is coming off a game in which he got 10 targets, caught eight of them for 66 yards. A lot of that had to do with the fact that the Titans were up 
two scores for the balance of that game. So the Colts were pass, 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 pass. Not sure if that will be the case against the Texans this week. Where do these two guys end up falling in your rankings, Brandon? We know you're still working on them, but generally as you're thinking about Taylor and Hines, how are you thinking about them? Yeah, I think I I feel like uh, Frank Reich kind of tipped his hand that he was, you know, generally disappointed that Taylor wasn't going to be able to play last week and that they were looking forward to following up on his big effort the week before. Um, you know, and so if he's back, I think they're going to, I mean, Hines and, and Jordan Wilkins didn't do anything um, to kind of like change, you know, change the situation there in terms of how Frank Reich's thinking there because neither one of them really stepped up on the ground game. So I would think Jonathan Taylor, for me, is going to be a mid-teens at the running back position rank because it's going to factor in some of the the downside, but it's also going to factor in, you know, a lot of the upside that's there. And I think I'm expecting if he's there, he gets probably around 15 carries and they'll mix the other guys in. And he's been an effective receiver, and you can count on him getting a couple catches as well. And I think that would do it uh, to – kind of like live up to where I have him ranked and Naheem Hines uh, he's going he's going to be an you know an RB3 flyer I have no problem throwing him out in the flex I still think he's going to have upside in the passing game and probably get a half a dozen carries or more Mm, don't really have much more to add for the fact of I would go Taylor and I'll probably have I will Taylor will be in the RB2 conversation Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where, and I'll be uncomfortable until I say it. Like, really, <laughs> like we all want to trust him. We all want him to be the guy, but, you know, it really comes down to the other thing Frank Rice did say, Brandon, is he said that, what, what not hot hand, what did he say? He said something, that's how we roll. And that's like the right, usage yeah. is like, that's how we roll. And so I still have some hesitancies that it'll like be a 15 touch game for Taylor sometimes. Right. His more recent comment was a little bit more optimistic for Taylor. But yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of back, you know, Frank Wright comments that sort of are damning for John Taylor as well. <laughs> One guy's volume who we don't have to worry about too much is Wayne Gallman. That's been true ever since he's taken over as the starter in four starts for the Giants. He's averaging 15 and a half, uh, half PPR points per game. A lot of that has to do with the touchdowns that he has been scoring. He scored in, I believe, five straight games, scored in the first game before he was a starter as well. And now without Daniel Jones there, Colt McCoy stepping in to the starting job, a matchup against a Seattle defense that uh, has gotten a lot better in recent weeks and always the chance that the Seattle offense runs away from the Giants in this game. Not sure that will happen, but we have to account for that happening. Uh, could this be the game, Brandon, where we see that finally fall back on Wayne Gallman with just all the things that are seemingly working against him going into this, or would you still feel pretty comfortable starting him this week? Uh, he's TD dependent. He's basically Todd Gurley before Todd Gurley went out. I mean, you know, the low yardage yield, um, except for last week, but um, but volume and touchdowns. And Seattle's run defense has been good all year long. They have allowed a decent amount of running back touchdowns, which is kind of weird, but that probably has to do with the fact that the, the teams have been able to throw the ball down the field and get in, in the scoring position against them. But I think that's going to be a problem for Colt McCoy. The Seattle's defense against the pass has gotten a lot better. They've gotten a lot better at getting pressure on the quarterback. And Colt McCoy, just I don't see him being able to have his way. So I, I'm leery on Goldman. I think this could definitely be the week he doesn't score. And if the game script does get away, then that's just you know further – Further, uh, you know, reason to be pessimistic about him. So I'll have him still in the RB2 equation because there's just not a lot of running backs that are getting the kind of volume that he is. But it's a pure volume play, and I'm not sure if he, he can get the volume that he's seen the last couple weeks. Yeah, that's the biggest issue is just the volume in this game. And then you saw some Dion Lewis and you know wh- whether or not Colt McCoy, I don't, I think he actually helps the shorter game and potentially the running backs. But it's just uncertain workload and without the touchdown. He's been an okay running back. So, uh, again, another one that don't have a ton more to add to it. It's just it's still an RB2. He's been boosted by all he does is score touchdowns all of a sudden. All right, guys. Well, then let's wrap things up here at running back. Someone who we think is going to underperform expectations here in this crucial week 13, last week of the regular season, going for fantasy championships, regular season championships, going for last playoff berths. Who we got here, Jake? Someone who you think is going to underperform expectations. Mm, I gotta say Antonio Gibson uh, against Pittsburgh tough matchup yeah I don't think you're benching Antonio Gibson but I'm not slapping him into the RB1 conversation when 
you know, something I tweeted about on Monday was he's facing a very, very, very low. I think it was like 5.5% or 8.5%. He was bottom of the league, not as bad as Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but not facing eight-man boxes. Again, you can add the conversation of eight-man boxes and how much that matters for running backs. We can do that all the time. But he's been facing a lot of open lanes, and that's a testament some to the Washington offensive line. Like, let's not take that away. But at the same time, uh, Emery, who, you know, is probably the most haterish on Antonio Gibson, but <laughs> somebody I think we all trust more than most of us when it talks about, you know, evaluating, especially evaluating running backs. He thinks he's only slightly better than Jordan Howard. I disagree with him a little bit. I think he is better than even that. But again, this is coming from somebody who is also down on Carson Wentz and now is being proven right about Carson Wentz. So maybe it's not this year, but next year. So all that being said is he's facing a lot of lanes. He's not going to see that against Pittsburgh. Maybe it's a little bit of a lower expectation day. Uh, I will I will throw out Kenyon Drake just because he's been good the last three weeks, his last three games. He's probably, I'm guessing, top eight fantasy running back, and I won't have him in my top 20 this week. I'll, I would play, if Miles Gaskin is clear, I'd probably play Miles Gaskin ahead of him. So I'll still have him as a back-end RB2, but I think against the Rams, I'm picking on the Arizona Cardinals this week apparently, but um, <laughs> uh, against the Rams, I think Kenyon Drake can get absolutely shut down. So, um yeah, so another guy tempering enthusiasm for curb yeah, I mean, curb your enthusiasm. Curb your enthusiasm for the entire Arizona Cardinals offense. Yep. Definitely a tough assignment with the Rams this week. Let's flip things over to the happy side of this discussion, Brandon, someone who is going to outperform expectations at the running back position. <sighs> Frank Gore. Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, but how is he different than Wayne Gallman other than he doesn't score touchdowns, but he's getting almost twenty, you know, twenty touches the a week. Is, right? he, I was gonna say that. He's yeah. getting more touches. <laughs> he's getting more touches he's going against a Raiders team that's given up you know like 4.6 yards per carry to the running back position it's not a bad matchup for him to get his and god if we get the Raiders that we saw last week he could get another 20 carries and maybe he does find the end zone so um I think you know in a pinch Frank Gore is is certainly not a terrible terrible guy to throw out in your lineup this week no it's definitely not you know I was on Frank Gore last week and I hate to say it it's like Oh, yeah, and it wasn't bad. <laughs> no, it was good. I was just like, I can't believe we're doing Frank Gore at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it really has to do like 80% of the touches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with a backfield that you guys know. Like this is Patriots games is where it came from is the Patriots backfield. But Damian Harris, uh, you know, you're going to potentially get burned, but we're down to two. And the Chargers run defense has been miserable against the run since week seven, but especially between the tackles and allowing touchdowns to running backs. That's where they're really getting hurt. They're getting hurt more by those type of running backs than the pass-catching ones. So I think this could be one of those weeks where Damian Harris has one of his good games, as unpredictable as that backfield can be. And how annoying is it that just Sonny Michelle is healthy and just kind of looming as a specter in the back? <laughs> I have well, Damian Harris, and I I think about Sonny Michelle way more than I should. I keep expecting <laughs> well, him to the, rear his say, head. That's the good thing is he's just kind of, he's not he's just standing on the sideline watching. But it's like that maybe it's like death. Does he have a sickle in his hand <laughs> yeah, standing I think on the sideline? Yes. Yeah. At old team, unpre- I mean that was. Like, I feel like the Cam Newton performance last week didn't get enough attention because we were also focused on uh, Kendall Hinton and Taysom Hill and what their stat lines looked like, and especially Taysom Hill's in a win. But Cam Newton threw for what, like 80 yards yeah. in that game? And they, yeah. and, and they come away with a victory. And that whole team, their offense, like, I mean, in, in what world is this box score producing a victory? It's, I guess, in 2020 when you are playing uh, the Patriots uh, the way that they did a week ago. But, yes, a very unpredictable backfield, but does seem to set up nicely <laughs> for Damian Harris this week against the Chargers. All right, wide receiver time now for Week 13 and the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast ranking show. Let's first start with CeeDee Lamb. Jake, I want you to take this one because you wrote him up in your rankings, uh, excuse me, rankings column. Uh, targets, we know, not really an issue for him, uh, but the non-touchdown production over the last couple of weeks, that's been a little bit lacking. So what is your argument in favor of CeeDee Lamb against the Ravens this week? Yeah, it's the it's the Ravens and CeeDee Lamb. The two things are overlapping because just like last year with the Ravens, the one area you attack them is the middle of the field with slot receivers, sometimes tight ends. And that's been true this year. They are allowing the second most of opposing opponents receiving yards to slot receivers. 40.7% of the receiving yards have come from slot receivers this year. That's it's it's an insane number when you think about it. So they're second, and I forget who's first. Uh, but in any case. Jets, maybe? Mm, I don't know. Maybe I could pull it up while Brandon's talking about his guy. Uh, but 
in any case, second most. And the best part about it, CD Lamb just ran 82.5% of his slots, fifth most just last week alone. And he's been doing it a ton. That's He's been the slot guy. We know that for the Cowboys. So as, as the waiver, or not waiver, rankings column says, uh, Cooper Cup, CD Lamb, and Hunt for Renfro. It is slot bonanza week. Just use slot receivers for all three of these guys. They're facing great matchups. And to their ability is why. Yeah, and another thing about Baltimore is they actually haven't been good against the run lately. I'm looking at the numbers. They Their production allowed to the backfields of opposing backfields over the last three weeks is almost 30% higher than league average. Last five weeks, it's almost 12% higher. So, you know, they've had injuries, Brandon Williams and Clay Campbell, and uh, teams can run on them. So maybe Dallas can run on them, and that's just going to open things up more with play action potential. And, and so I think... You know, you talked about the targets. I think he's been six, seven, and ten uh, with Andy Dalton. Ceedee Lamb has in yeah. terms of targets. So, I mean, that's that's going to help him. And and as Jake mentioned, uh, slot is where you can hurt the Ravens. So, I think you feel good about Ceedee Lamb as a whole. Yeah. By the way, the Jets are thirteenth for yards, but they are allowing the most touchdowns, tied with the Falcons, the slot wide receivers at ten. Uh, so, number one is who the Ravens are facing today. Well, maybe know. yesterday, depending on when you <laughs> yeah, listen to when this. You're listening to this. It, it might actually, and that might actually go up depending on what Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster do. Yeah, yeah seriously. It's, so the Ravens uh, might jump the Steelers. There you go. There you go. How about that? A uh, little creating, creating a little intrigue for this uh, Wednesday afternoon getaway game uh, between the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, I want to talk about Marvin Jones. The last time we talked about him, I was way down on him. You guys uh, were talking about uh, the the touchdown upside or the fact that if he gets a touchdown, he's he's wide receiver three pretty easily. And that was the week where he had his best game of the season: eight catches for ninety six yards and a score. But I want to talk about uh, Jones again here because I just can't see. I mean, the guy's averaging fewer than four catches and 50 yards per game this season. That's what his per-game average is in a year where Kenny Galladay has missed a ton of time because of injuries. Uh, Going up against the Bears this week, and if we all are willing to grant that he needs a touchdown to score or to, to register in fantasy leagues, is there, Brandon, an argument for TD upside against this Bears defense? Um, yeah, it's not a good matchup, but you actually look at Marvin Jones, that game you, you're talking about was against Washington. That's been one of his toughest matchups of the year, and he and he overcame that. I think with Kenny Galladay out, he's going to draw, you know, top coverage. I mean, he's probably going to draw Kyle Fuller, but it's hard to argue with 10 targets, 6 targets, and 12 targets over the last three games as the number one guy. You're basically pushing double-digit targets each week. Uh, we know that he can make big plays, and I think you just... You know, you go into it saying, okay, I'm going to have to know I'll live with a, a four, four catch 55 yard game with no touchdown is kind of like where you settle as his floor. And that's not terrible as a floor. Um, but then you know that the upside there is the touchdown is maybe you get the yardage a little bit higher. So I think just because, again, this is another guy where you just look at volume and say, you might just have to throw him in there as your last wide receiver or your flex uh, just because he's getting those looks. Mm, uh, say same as Kenny Galladay's back. I kind of will be more on the want no interest in him. He wasn't doing a ton when Kenny Galladay was out there earlier this year. So if well, he's I'm back, just kind of I'm just kind of figuring that Kenny Galladay is not back. Do we know? I mean, I think he's miraculously going to be better now that Matt Patricia's gone. But <laughs> uh, there, yeah, that's, that'd be interesting. If, if if he isn't back, I still think yeah he has to be. And he's you know what similar is Frank Gore. The volume yeah. is going to put him in the wide receiver three conversation. Now the volume is different for a wide receiver because you could have, well, who was it last? Michael Pittman last week with nine targets, but only caught two because it just things weren't clicking that day. Mm-hmm. So he could have nine, 10 targets and not do anything against the Bears. But I think just because of the what expected opportunity share will be, he would have to be a wide receiver three. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just uh, he needs that touchdown. It's just, I think the ship has sailed on him getting there without scoring a touchdown. And we know how tough that Bears pass defense can be. Everything Aaron Rodgers. He was go, Wayne Gallman before Wayne Gallman. Remember, all he does is score touchdowns. Everybody was super yeah, yeah. excited for Marvin Jones this year. I mean, yeah, but whatever. I think we can move on here and talk about uh, Tyler Boyd. Let's go to uh, Marvin Jones' former team where he first earned that uh, all he does is score touchdowns moniker. Tyler Boyd at the Dolphins. The Bengals are this week. First game with Brandon Allen. It was not pretty, you guys, for Tyler Boyd. Three catches, six targets, 15 yards. Uh, Is he done for you as a fantasy starter until you see something else here, Jake? I want you to ask the question you have there. Is he (laughs) done as a fantasy starter? (laughs) Yes. 
I was oh I was looking at the I thought I was looking at the, the one above it. I combined. This is where my brain is. I combined <laughs> the two lines. I I saw what's the argument for him as a fantasy starter? Like I combined the Marvin Jones line with Tyler Boyd, and I was because I wanted you to say that because my answer was going to be there is none. Like oh. so, yes, he, he 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 is done to get to all that of my not being able to read at eleven o'clock on a Wednesday. <laughs> I, I won't say that he's absolutely done, but I say, I say he's done as a fantasy starter for week 13. I think he's officially, the first game you get three catches, 15 yards. He's officially on your bench until you see something usable out of him, and then you can start considering him again. But yeah, it's a, you know, it's the classic cliche bench until further notice. This is what we were afraid about when Joe Burrow went down with the injury and the effect Brandon Allen was going to have on the Cincinnati offense. We saw that last week against the Giants, and it feels like we could be seeing it more more weeks for the rest of the season. Uh, let's uh, let, you know. Let's jump down to Jamison Crowder here. Uh, going up against the Raiders this week, Jake, you referenced this earlier. We thought with Sam Darnold back as the starter a week ago that things would flip back in Jamison Crowder's favor, and they didn't. Five targets, caught three of them for 31 yards. Denzel Mims and uh, Prashad Perriman both got eight targets in that game. As you said, the target share increased increased for both of these guys are we willing to chalk that up to just you know things happen right in one week of football things happen or is this something that we could see be seeing a change in the Jets offense what do you got here Jake I think we see a little bit of a change in the fact that also the snap count he was the lowest of the three snaps and routes and I think that he's kind of falling into when John Brown was healthy the Cole Beasley role is you know it's going to be very close to the top two in snaps and routes because that's how they run things but the Cole Beasley role is like, yeah, really solid floor. Now the ceiling's limited. And the ceiling's limited because you have two big play receivers and Mims isn't doing what my concern was. And I'm not saying like, oh, look at this, but it is like a, I expected Mims to struggle as a rookie because he runs into coverage. Well, similar to what the Seahawks have done with DK Metcalf and said, hey, we're going to find the best way to use you. They're making Mims run more over the middle of the field and break off some of his routes and not just send him deep, or like treat him like a nine, treat him like the the nine route guy like Mike Wallace back in the day. They're saying, well, we're going to find ways to get you open, and they're doing a good job of it. So Mims is doing more than I expected already, which is also part of the concern I have for Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I'm just wondering a little bit if he's not completely healthy after he sat a few weeks with the groin injury. I mean, it's such a stark difference in targets from when he was playing and healthy to then going out and then coming back. I mean, he didn't have a, a game under 10 targets the first four weeks. Then he goes out and he hasn't had a game over five targets since. Uh, I'm wondering if he's just playing himself back into full health, if maybe he'll never get there, if or if it's just that there's Bashad Perryman and Denzel Mims now healthy as well, and it's just, you know, pulling Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco's eyes away from him. But, you know, this is a good matchup for – I don't know where the Raiders rank. Jake, you probably still have the numbers handy, but I, I've seen a lot of slot receivers do pretty well against the Raiders this year. And uh, I think just in terms of how that matches up for a slot receiver this week, this might be a decent week You're for James. Yeah, I do. Okay. Where, where <laughs> yeah, are we at with the Raiders? Uh, Raiders are sixth in most yards allowed, and they have seven touchdowns to slot receivers, which ranks tied for seventh. Yeah, so, so really good nice matchup. Call, so, Brandon. Maybe, so maybe we'll see something uh, happen here with Crowder this week. All right, well uh, let's 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 uh, wrap things up here at wide receiver and go to someone who maybe we won't see something from, or at least something that we are uh, expecting more from. Uh, a wide receiver is going to underperform expectations this week. Uh, go, who wants Jake, to go first? Go, someone go jump Jake, in. Jake, I don't, I don't Jake, have who one. You got, who you got? Who you got? <laughs> <laughs> I you you had everybody. Like I was going to bring up Marvin Jones, but he's in the sheet. I was going to bring up Tyler Boyd, but he's yeah. in the sheet. Uh, so like, I, you know what? I'll go to the Giants. Uh, not that anybody wants to start him after that goose egg disappearance, but Darius Slayton, uh, and I only brought him up because we talked about it on Monday just in case anybody missed it, but Dan Dugan thinks that there might be something wrong. Uh, he was out there for a good amount of the snaps, but not as quite as many as he would normally be. And even if he is 100%, even if like there is nothing on the practice reports, Colt McCoy is now at quarterback. So everybody's going to look at this and be like, oh, the Seahawks, but Colt McCoy might make Joe Flacco look like the most aggressive passer of all time downfield. Okay, I got one. Uh, guy we talked about <laughs> off the top, uh, Brandon Cooks. I actually think that him being the only obvious guy uh, in this offense is going to hurt him against a team like the Colts. So I, I you still play really? him. You still play him. But I, I'm going to probably rank him. Right now I have him on the very back edge of the wide, wide receiver two class. I We'll see if he ends up there or if he slides just into the upper wide, re three, wide receiver three area. But I, 
I don't think Brandon Cooks, as a true number one go-to guy, I don't think that's his makeup at all. And I think he plays off of other really good receivers very well. So it'll be incumbent upon Isaiah Coulter to, you know, to step in and, and be an immediate threat to help him out. But if he's just the clear and, and present go-to guy, I danger. think that's a problem. Yeah, danger. <laughs> what are you going to say, clear and present danger? Uh, I was not going to go with danger, um, but <laughs> but certainly that the clear and present danger was as as a saying was in my head there. Uh, all right, how about the other side of this? A wide receiver is going to outperform expectations for Week 13. Maybe get people that uh, the, the the score they need to get themselves into the playoffs. Who we got here, Brandon? Can you go first on this one? Uh, sure. How about Brandon Ayuk? He's back. Uh, you'll probably have Debo drawing Tre'Davious White. Uh, either way, I think uh, Ayuk can can get it done in a in a wide receiver three fashion this week. Um, so he would be the guy I would throw out there. Mm, I mean, I already kind of gave you like all three of mine for my article. Plus <laughs> I'm in the middle of typing my outrage on Twitter for the f- Disney channels. Canceling DuckTales. Oh, oh my no! God. Oh, very sorry, Jake. I know so little about DuckTales, but everything so I do, do know, I know is I know ba- every, yeah. it's everything that Jake's ever said, <laughs> which is a whole lot. So I know that it's got a great theme song, according to at least one person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, well, can you power through and uh, and give us I a wide can. receiver here? I can. I'm asking the Twitter community. To, somebody needs to start a free, one of those online petition things where you end up getting like 100,000 people and Disney's like, oh, my God, there's so many people watching this. We're stupid as hell. <laughs> They have a whole the channel. Uh, they have a whole channel where they could just shove it if they own the rights to. Why would they take it down? And it was an amazing reboot. I was skeptical as hell, and it's terrific. It's be- <laughs> it's better than the original. <laughs> Man, I didn't know this was going to strike such a chord with you, James. I feel I feel terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm aggravated as hell. This just ruined my Wednesday. Yeah, clearly. I better hopefully not Raven, check the comments for a while. Hopefully, uh, be like, hopefully uh, uh, Ravens and Steelers will pull you out of this tailspin you're in. But also, maybe a receiver oh, that can pull people out of a tailspin. Did tail you do that spin. on purpose? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. How about that? That worked out beautifully. There can you, you give go. us a receiver, please? I said, I already gave you three from the, the sleepers column. I, you know, those are the three. I told you. I mentioned all three. All right. All right. I guess I, I guess I was the one who was in a DuckTales tailspin then <laughs> because uh, I just totally, totally forgot about it. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, get on to – I want to ask you guys a different sort of question at the tight end position because we know what this position is. So is there anything that we've learned about this position in 2020 that you can take forward into 2021? Is there any sort of – you know, maybe it's don't worry about the – don't try to draft the next big guy. Don't waste a pick on – Tyler Higby or Mark Andrews, whoever that might be in 2021. Maybe it's Tyler or TJ Hawkinson. I mean, is that it? I mean, is there I, anything that we can take forward yes. from this position into next year? Yes. Travis Kelsey needs okay. to be drafted in the first round. It's it's such a huge advantage. He is Gronk. And I used to argue that that Gronk didn't deserve to be a first rounder. But Travis Kelsey's producing like a very top end wide receiver one. And it's such a stark discrepancy between the rest of the position that, you know, we always oh Travis Kelsey, middle, second, late, second, early, third. No, I think he needs to be. He needs to be the guy you're targeting as the at the turn, a 10, 11, 12 pick where you take Kelsey, you need to pick somebody else right away on the comeback. But Kelsey belongs in round one next year. Yeah, I'm still I'm still going to say he doesn't. Uh, look, I get the argument. I've had this argument for now four years in a row with Pat Mayo because we have this conversation or this argument. Well, every this season. is the best year for Pat Mayo's argument. You know, I mean, the and other that's years- my point. Last year. And Kelsey was still the number one tight end last year, but the difference between him and Mark Andrews, Darren Walt, like, it's like that's why we were having the conversation last year. Like even Zach Ertz and Austin Hooper last year, it wasn't even two full points. It wasn't even one and a half points in a lot of leagues. So the my, here's my argument: you can do it. I, I I'm not going to say it's wrong to do it. You can do Kittle too, honestly, because Kittle was on that path. The problem is if Kelsey or Kittle are taken in the first round and they don't have a year like they're having right now, well, or Kittle was having before he got hurt, and it's more like last year, it's not an advantage. You are not you lose more at running back or wide receiver than you gain from that. Now, if it does hit, that's where you're right. So it's whether or not you want to take that chance, and that's why I'm okay with it. I'm not going to do it, but I'm never going to fault you for doing it. That's just, it's which side do you want to be on. So yeah, Brandon, go ahead. I'm not going to say you're crazy to take him in the first round. You're going to have to take him in the first round if you want to get him. It's probably Kittle too. 
I'm just not going to do it because you have to have that guy hit just the same as Lamar Jackson in the second or third round. If he doesn't hit, which he didn't this year, you, you fail. And that's that's my downside for it. So I'm going to continue with the Wallers, Andrews, Hawkinson, even though Waller and Andrews have been more boomer bust. But I'm going to continue to set in that range because I think the other thing we've seen from this year is if you wait until that next group now, it's mm-hmm. all over the friggin' map. Like, don't even draft the tight end because the guy off a of waiver is probably going to be as good as the tight end nine out of drafts right now. Yeah, yeah, that next tier of the tight end position has been ruinous to people who waited for it this year. Let's get out of here on a happy note, you guys. A week 13 prediction that you would figuratively <laughs> bet the house on what you got. Jake, what's up here? <laughs> the week 13 prediction. I'm still tilting from this DuckTales thing, so, like, I didn't even have, like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think. How about this? Oh, you're going to love this. I'm going to go to my sleepers <laughs> column, Brandon. No, I'm not Mike. I, Brandon's I, I'm not even this. listening to you because yeah. I don't have a prediction yet, so I'm just looking at my oh, schedule. So you're looking, well, no, you yeah, need yeah, to yeah, listen yeah. because you're going to like this one. You know how much I don't <laughs> like this guy, but Jono Smith, chance for a touchdown this week because why? All the Browns do is give up touchdowns to tight ends. There you go. There you go. Um... Yeah, you know I love Johnu. I love that. So I'm I got a I got a sneaky suspicion that the Saints will make an effort to get Alvin Kamara the ball in the passing game. I'm gonna say Alvin Kamara gets five plus catches this week. Oh, that's a good one too. That's a good one too. I will uh, I will stick at the running back position for mine. And I this is something I wanted to talk about. We ran out of time. I'm gonna say any Jamal Williams playing time fears are eased this week, and we see. Big involvement both on the ground and through the air for Aaron Jones against the Eagles. And I am an Aaron Jones uh, manager. I am a little bit worried myself just because of the fact that Jamal Williams gets a series here, a series there, and suddenly Aaron Jones hasn't played for a quarter. But I think that that is eased this week with the Packers taking care of business against the Eagles. And that's going to do it, guys. Our last ranking show of the fantasy football regular season. How about that? We have made it. To the end of the fantasy football regular season, even though we haven't made it to the end of week 12, we have made it to the end of the fantasy football regular season on this Wednesday edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. You two out there can make it into the Athletic with a $1 per month subscription still active through the end of this week. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod to get in the door with us here for Jake, for Brandon. I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you next week. This show will be back with you tomorrow. Jake will be there. So will Nando DeFino and Eric Moody. I'm done. No, you're there. You're there. I will be listening to your voice. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. I hope that you are able to sleep on this DuckTales uh, shattering for you, and you can come back tomorrow restored, refreshed, and ready to go. Hopefully we see all of you there as well. Until then, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. See you then.